This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the battle over mask mandates in schools is getting tense. The state education commissioner is warning Broward County schools to rescind their mask mandate or face sanctions. But the Biden administration says it will work to bypass the DeSantis administration. If you're not interested in uh, following the public health guidelines to protect the lives of people in your state, to give parents uh, some comfort as they're sending their kids to school, then get out of the way and let uh, public officials, let local officials do their job to keep students safe. Governor DeSantis is still spinning the stats for kids who are sick with COVID. Despite the surge in pediatric cases, the governor insists the proportions of kids infected with the disease are the same as last year. So there's been no change in the proportion of pediatric uh, patients who are COVID positive. Now, obviously, we have more people uh, that are COVID positive in hospitals than we did six weeks ago. And so the raw numbers are increased for everybody, but there's not been an increase in the proportion. Once again, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried is appealing to the governor to change his mind about masks and start talking about the surge in COVID cases. Please step up. Talk about the fact that there's COVID in our state. You're not even discussing it. You're not messaging on this. You're not encouraging people to wear masks and to get the vaccines. And you're definitely not telling your Department of Health to update their numbers daily so there is no confusions and that we have transparency. They don't want to talk about COVID right now, but DeSantis and friends have started handing out $1,000 checks to teachers, a reward for their service last year during the pandemic. So here you had the education commissioner who was threatening to cut off funding for districts that impose mask mandates, handing out checks to teachers who masked up last year. You know, COVID attacked us and our teachers fought back, and that's what changed the state of Florida. And so for that, it's so good to be able to give you um, and, and be here with the governor to give you these bonuses. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the stories of two Florida men. One is suing Facebook over censorship. The other is nursing a head wound after trying to hide from a police dog. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, August 12th. This is World Elephant Day. It's International Youth Day. It's National Middle Child Day and National Vinyl Record Day. Spin them if you got them. On this date in 1877, Thomas Edison completed his first model phonograph, a device that recorded sound on tinfoil cylinders. In 1908, Henry Ford's company built the first Model T. In 1930, Clarence Birdseye was granted a patent for a quick method of freezing food. In 1945, Emperor Hirohito of Japan informed the imperial family that he has decided to surrender. And on this date in 1953, Ann Davison arrives in Miami in her 23-foot boat, Felicity Ann, becoming the first woman to sail solo across the Atlantic. Another day, another threat from the governor. This time it's the Broward County School District that's being threatened. Broward has voted to make masks mandatory when school resumes, and Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran says they have until Friday to reverse course or face sanctions, like the loss of school board members' salaries. But White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says they're trying to figure out how to replace that money and support the districts that oppose the governor's order. We are continuing to look for ways uh, to go back to your question, Peter, to for the U.S. government to support districts and schools uh, as they try to follow the science, do the right thing, and save lives. I would note what is publicly available and knowable is that the American Rescue Plan funds that were distributed to Florida to provide assistance to schools have not yet been distributed from the state level. So the question is, why not? 
uh, and those can be used uh, to cover expenses that come up in this period of time. They're federal funds, uh, and they are at, not under, they're under federal discretion. So they just need to be distributed to these schools. We're looking into what's possible. So in simple terms, what, is the, what do you say directly to Governor DeSantis about this, about this threatened punishment? Well, we, we would say what we've said from the beginning, Peter, which is that um, if you're not interested in uh, following the public health guidelines to protect the lives of people in your state, to give parents uh, some comfort as they're sending their kids to school, schools are opening uh, in Florida this week, I know, in many parts of Florida, then get out of the way and let uh, public officials, let local officials do their job to keep students safe. Um, this is serious, and we're talking about people's lives, and we know based on public health guidelines that even though kids under a certain age are not yet eligible, uh, masks can have a, a huge impact. The state is indeed sitting on $15 billion in federal funding that was intended for schools to respond to the COVID crisis. And Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried says it's time for the state to send that money to the districts. So basically what's happened is that all this money was sitting inside, is sitting right now in the state government, inside of the governor's office, to be distributed to our school districts. That it should have been used to help on... Uh, whether it's sanitizing our classrooms at the end of the day between classrooms, making sure that there are the, you know, the plastic partitions inside the rooms, being able to, if in fact they needed to have more trailers um, in order to put, do more social distancing, potentially buying more buses, whatever each district was going to need in order to open up their schools safely. So not only has the governor threatened to hold back funding to these schools who are making the decisions to have a mask mandate, but is also not releasing money that is necessary that has been directed and should be directed towards our school districts. So many of our schools across the state have started classes as of yesterday. And teachers and parents and kids are worried about their safety. And school boards need to be able to make the decisions that are right for their kids and for their faculty. So to all of the school districts out there who are still making these tough decisions and to our superintendents, we will get your back. The White House will get your back. Unfortunately, the governor is not, and is not looking out for the best interests of our children. And in fact, not only threatening to withhold money, but also threatening to remove people, this is not in writing, but threatening to remove individuals if making these decisions, because the governor's back is against the wall. Governor, the people are not with you on this. We saw across the state of Florida who opened up Schools this week, the county, 10 to 12% of your parents opted out. That means 90% of the parents that are sending their kids to school agreed to put a mask on their children. 4% opting out in Orange and Duval County. Governor, the people aren't with you on this. They are asking you to step up and to be a leader. Reverse course. Allow our school districts to do what is necessary to protect our kids. These are our children. And those that are 11 and under don't have any protection. They can't get this vaccine. All they have is a mask. Do your job. But DeSantis has no intention of backing down on mask mandates. He wants parents to have the final say, not the school boards, not the state, and certainly not the feds. So uh, our view is, of course, that, that we believe this is a decision for the parent uh, to make, just given the, the uncertainty about what it means, particularly for a lot of the young kids to, to be in that. And um, I think that's where 
the vast majority uh, of the districts. I know we have, I think, two um, who, who are not uh, providing uh, the, the parents with the rights, but, but obviously we believe that the parent, rather than the government, should ultimately be able to make that decision. Um, I'm not sure that they have uh, the wherewithal. They're also talking about imposing a potential nationwide mass mandate on kindergartners, first graders, you know, who knows, regardless of what the parents uh, believe is in the best interest of their kids. And obviously, if you're talking about the federal government coming in and overruling parents in our communities, you know, that would be something that we would fight back vociferously against. It's not just the masks in schools. Florida has also banned the use of vaccine passports and is operating now as if the COVID crisis is history. A simple check at hospital admission shows it is not. Commissioner Freed says the governor's lackadaisical attitude about COVID will bite him in the ass economically. The Florida Education Association said yesterday that there are nearly 5,000 teacher vacancies across the state, which is 40% higher than a pre-pandemic. The Florida Healthcare Association surveyed showed 92% of Florida nursing centers have staff shortages. Nine in 10 facilities said staffing issues have gotten worse since 2020. Letting this virus run rampant and trying to prevent local governments and private companies from taking steps to protect their workers is hurting our economy. And what happens when a small business owner has five employees and two get sick with COVID? They have to shut down. What happens when there's an outbreak in one of our classrooms or in a school? That classroom is shut down. The kids are sent home. What are parents who are having to work what are they supposed to do? This has a huge impact on our economy if we don't do anything. Governor, I'm asking once again, please step up. Talk about the fact that there's COVID in our state. You're not even discussing it. You're not messaging on this. You're not encouraging people to wear masks and to get the vaccines. And you're definitely not telling your Department of Health to update their numbers daily so there is no confusions and that we have transparency. The people need to know what is going on. Knowledge is power. So again, I'm going to continue to reiterate, please follow the masking guidelines. Listen to the CDC. Get tested if you do not feel well or have known exposure and get vaccinated. We have the tools to protect ourselves. And I'm asking the people of our state to stand up, to stand together, do what is right for your family, do what is right for your children, do what is right for our economy. And then we will get through this together. Hospital admissions for COVID are at all-time highs right now, but the governor continues to insist this is just the summer cycle. And while a record number of kids have been infected, DeSantis cherry-picks the data to claim it's not as bad as it seems. So what we have in Florida is we have about 1.3% of the COVID positive patients that are hospitalized are pediatric cases. And for the whole pandemic, we've been between 1.1 and 1.4% of the census on any given time has been pediatrics. So there's been no change in the proportion of pediatric uh, patients who are COVID positive. Now, obviously we have more people 
that are COVID positive in hospitals than we did six weeks ago. And so the raw numbers are increased for everybody, but there's not been an increase in the proportion. And I think that's important to point out because some people, you know, you hear a lot of stuff, you know, does Delta behave differently vis-a-vis kids than the kind of the previous iterations, which fortunately have been have a very minor impact, particularly on young kids. And, and the answer is, in terms of the hospitalization percentage, we've not seen any change in that in Florida. Um, clearly, we're at the top of a wave here, so you're going to see more uh, cases and infections diagnosed. It's also important to point out that uh, of the COVID-positive patients in hospitals, uh, mo- about 25% on average are not being treated for COVID. In other words, everyone gets tested who goes in, and if you're positive and you have a different procedure, you still classify it as COVID positive patient because they want to isolate and make sure you're not spreading it. For pediatrics, depending on the hospital, it's, it's typically between 20 and 40% of the pediatric COVID positive inpatients are incidentally COVID positive. In other words, they're there for a different reason. They get tested when they come in, and then they happen to test positive uh, for that, but they're not being treated for COVID. Also, I would point out there has been an increase in pediatric respiratory virus uh, admissions over the last really many months, uh, and a lot of that is attributed to the the resurgence in RSV. And so that's something just, you know, as a parent, I have young kids, uh, COVID, I view as a very minor risk. RSV is more, a little more serious, and uh, and it's, it just shows kind of you know, certain things that are that are focused on versus not. You now, I've had doctors tell tell me that that parents have come in with with kids who were sick, they've gotten a negative COVID test and a positive RSV, and the parents were relieved at that. And that's the opposite um, because RSV is something that that we think RSV has peaked in Florida. Uh, if you look at it is trending down, but RSV was very modest when uh, last year with COVID and whether that's viral interference or whatever you want to attribute to, but it's been much higher levels throughout the whole country there. And so when you see pediatric admissions, you know, some of them may be COVID positive um, or suspected COVID, and it may ultimately turn out that, that RSV um, is what, what they end up are being treated for. And Again, we, we think we think that's going that that's peaked and is going down in Florida, but that is something that I would say, just as a parent of young kids, you know, that's a much more significant risk, um, you know, than, than COVID ha- has proven to be. Commissioner Freed says there is a reason the governor is downplaying the threat of COVID. He wants to run for president, and he's been spending a lot of time in other states collecting money while the rest of us are dealing with a surge. He's running for president in 2024, and so he is on a national circuit. Um, already talking about things uh, that would have an impact on 2024, and he's doing it on the backs of Floridians. And that is to the detriment of people here in the state of Florida. And so he has raised his national profile, uh, you know, declaring victory along the way on COVID. Uh, And so that is where he continues to be. Um, From my understanding, he's going to actually be out on the West Coast again this week, fundraising for another U.S. senator. Uh, And instead of being here, literally here in this cabinet room, he needs to be focusing on the people of our state and not traveling across the country. I, I think it was reported that he received donations from almost you know, people from all across the country. Almost all 50 states had a donation into his campaign because he's running for president. And instead of doing his job today and being here, that's where he is. Commissioner Freed also wants the state health department to resume the daily COVID casualty reports instead of the once a week reports that began back in June, just before the surge. If the Department of Health and the governor was just doing their jobs and reporting these numbers in a timely, consistent fashion daily, 
we would have consistency, we would have transparency, there wouldn't be confusion on what numbers and what's being calculated into those numbers. And the fact that they're not only not sharing those on an everyday basis, we also don't have even the breakdowns by counties or by age. I think they were lumping everything like 16 and under, but we don't have even the knowing of 12 and under, the ones that are the most vulnerable without the vaccines. We don't have that data. That data is readily accessible and was given to the people of our state up until June. Uh, And so any misinformation or confusion is because they are doing this themselves. And this is an easy way to correct this. Governor, every day have a press conference. It's very easy. This cabinet room is open. Have a press conference, tell the numbers, give out the clarification. Not everybody is on social media. Not everybody follows the Department of Health. Not everybody follows me, which is why it's so important to have as much eyes on the information as possible and go to as many mediums as possible and to rely on our media. I mean, you all have been in the trenches every single day doing your jobs And we need to empower our media to carry this information to the people of their communities. One other note on the COVID front, the state requested hundreds of ventilators from the feds in order to fight severe cases of coronavirus, but the governor's office insists there is no shortage of the breathing machines. The Department of Health and Human Services delivered 200 ventilators to Florida this week. In a statement issued to Florida Politics, the governor's press secretary says the request from the Department of Health was made just in case and was not in response to a shortage because she claims there is no shortage. Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran, the guy who's threatening to withhold money from schools that require masks, was handing out checks to teachers Wednesday. Corcoran joined the governor at news conferences in St. Petersburg and Panama City to help pass out $1,000 checks to teachers and principals who helped Florida through the first wave of COVID-19. And I remember when we opened up schools and we had the great support of the superintendents and and the governor announced that we're going to open up schools and we're going to have face-to-face instruction and the outcry that came with it. And I remember thinking and part of my mind is like, well, you know, um, let's see. Let's see how it goes. And on day one, 99, 98, 97, 95 percent of our teachers across the state, uh, despite what the rhetoric was, despite the noise, they came because they wanted to be with their students. and They wanted to impart that great education. And the governor said it before. You look at Florida and, and during that time when schools opened. And the reason our schools opened is because our teachers came and they did a phenomenal work with our students. But when that happened, guess what could happen? Even our first responders could go back to work. Um, We could all go back to work because our kids were in school and they were in that great environment. Um, And so really when, when you look at it from the state standpoint, the economy, everything, our teachers literally, you know, COVID attacked us and our teachers fought back and that's what changed the state of Florida. And so for that, it's so good to be able to give you Um, and and be here with the governor to give you these bonuses. Those bonuses were only possible because of the federal dollars Florida received from the American Rescue Plan. So maybe the real thanks should go to Joe Biden, not Ron DeSantis. The South Florida Water Management District meets online at 9. The Early Learning Program's Estimating Conference meets at 9.30. Trustees at the University of North Florida meet at 10 in Jacksonville. Florida Power and Light will hold a tour for reporters at 10 of a project the utility says will be the largest solar-powered battery in the world. Senator Randolph Bracey hosts a news conference in Orlando at 10.30 about bolstering workforce training for the new economy. The Northwest Florida Water Management District meets at 1 in Defuniac Springs. The Education Estimating Conference meets at 1.30 to analyze enrollment in the Florida college system. And the Florida Department of Transportation holds a meeting at 5.30 in Ocoee about a project development and environmental study related to the planned widening of Florida's turnpike in Orange County. 
A Florida man is suing Facebook, claiming the social media giant broke the First Amendment by censoring posts about COVID-19 on behalf of the Biden administration. 38-year-old Richard Rogolinski of Plant City says he's suing on behalf of himself and any other American Facebook users who had their activity censored, modified, hidden, appended, or curtailed. He decided to sue after a press briefing in which the White House press secretary said the Biden administration had been working to flag misinformation about COVID-19 for Facebook. And finally today, a Florida man is behind bars after being busted by one keen canine. Hernando County Sheriff's deputies called out the dog when they were searching the home for 59-year-old Michael Lewis. The canine, named Justice, cleared the house room by room, then it entered a bedroom and circled the bed. When a deputy lifted the mattress, Justice stuck his head underneath and Lewis began to howl when the dog bit his face and grabbed his arm. He was taken to the hospital for treatment of his injuries and then transported to the jail where he's charged with grand theft auto and resisting arrest without violence. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 